Hello, everyone, and welcome back to Al Pacino's Prison Scene, the podcast where we look at movies that objectively have no deeper meaning and we think about it. As always, I'm your host, Thomas Butler, and with me is my co-host, Jake Ferrier. A little bit of shake and bake. Shake and bake, baby. We are, of course, talking about, we're following up last week's episode, Step Brothers, with the movie that actually released before it, starring the same people, Talladega Nights, The Ballad of Ricky Bobby, which, despite what I said last week about Step Brothers, this, I think, to me, is the funniest movie ever made. I see. I am a little torn um, because, God, I don't know. I mean, they're both so good, but I think I'll stay true to what I said and say the Step Brothers. I think is funnier. And Ghostbusters is still my favorite comedy of all time. But I, I did, there's no movie that I laugh at more than Talladega Nights, especially every single time the redhead kid. There's literally every single thing he says. Oh, uh, is my which favorite one is line it? In the movie. Is it Texas Ranger? I don't know. Or what's the other one? Walker. Walker. Te- I think it's Texas Ranger. I think Texas Ranger. Like is when better. he says, uh, I'm all hopped up on Mountain Dew or whatever he says. That <laughs> I'm kid, still in my pee pants. Yeah, that, that kid is my spirit animal without a doubt. The, I actually didn't realize this. I was watching it um, this time and I was, I was looking at um, Ricky Bobby's mom. And I was like, she looks so familiar. Who is she? And I watched her cut as it was Jane Lynch. And I was yep. like, oh! Which, speaking of which, uh, three-fourths of the main characters from Wreck-It Ralph are in this movie. You got Jane Lynch, who's like the, You're right. the marine soldier girl. You got... Uh, Fix John, Felix yeah, Jr. Fix Felix, who's Jack McBrayer. He's like the really happy guy that they pretend is dead at the end of the movie. And then you've got John C. Riley, who is, of course, Wreck-It Ralph. The only person missing is Sarah Silverman. Who was Vanellope von Schweetz in Wrecker Ralph? She's in here in spirit. Yeah. They were thinking about her in there in their hearts. But uh, I guess I'll go ahead and jump into a recap. So this movie, as stated in the title, is The Ballad of Ricky Bobby, who grew up essentially without a father. His father was non-existent. But there was one time when it was career day at his like fourth grade or fifth grade, something like that. And his dad shows up at the last minute and he like rambles on about stuff that doesn't really make sense or matter. But he gets thrown out of the school and he tells Ricky Bobby, you ain't first, you're last. And Ricky Bobby took those words to heart and lived his life by that creed. And then one fateful day, he wasn't like a pit crew guy for NASCAR. And then one fateful day, the racer just decides he's going to take a pee break. So... Ricky Bobby gets to get in the car and he wins the race and becomes the best racer of all time. So much so that this Formula One guy named John Gerard Depardieu, played by Sasha Baron Cohen, uh, comes over and he's like, Hey, man, uh, you're like the best racer over here. And I think I can beat you. And Ricky Bobby's like, No way. This is America. Also, you're gay. And he's like, Well, I'm going to beat you. So he does. He beats him. And then. Ricky Bobby goes into crisis mode. I think it's it's either during the race that he gets beat, or immediately after the race he gets beat. Uh, he like he he goes crazy. He he. I'm he, on fire. Yeah, he's running around the track, pretending like he's on fire. Then he goes to the hospital, and he thinks that he has he's a paraplegic. So so much so that he stabs his leg with a knife, even though he was like playing handicapped basketball, kicking the other people in the wheelchairs. 
But um, then he has to return to his roots. He thinks he can't race anymore, and his license gets revoked. So he becomes a pizza delivery guy, and he's living with his mom, Jane, played by Jane Lynch. And his mom – all right, so first of all, his kids are little rascals, and they need a bunch of whoopings. So Jane Lynch supplies those whoopings to his kids. Granny Law is in order. But uh, back to Ricky Bobby. At one point, his dad orders a pizza. And Ricky Bobby don't want to see his dad because his dad was not there when he was a kid, so he wants nothing to do with his dad. But by taping a bunch of Lucky Charms to the bottom of his car and claiming that they were it was cocaine, he gets Ricky Bobby back in that fast lane life motto. And he returns to racing. And in doing so, he defeats John Gerard Depardieu, even though it was completely illegal and shouldn't count at all. They finished racing, which, by the way, Sasha Baron Cohen would definitely beat Will Ferrell in a foot race, but that's neither here nor there. Uh, and he wins the finish line, and he ends up with Amy Adams. So I know I, graced, I kind of like jumped over the part where his wife left him for his best friend, Shake and Bake, but uh, that don't really matter. That's, uh, that's Talladega Nights, baby. So, um, Jake, I'm not sure what you got out of this movie, but I'm going to go ahead and jump into the thick of it. And this is going to be really a hot take that I'm sure some people aren't going to be proud of. But, uh, All right, let's hear it. I think Talladega Nights is an anti-American propaganda film. Ooh, interesting. Okay, it's interesting you say that because I had a different take, totally. But I, when I finished the movie, I was like... I wonder if there's a reading into this where Will Ferrell is the symbol for America. Yes. Well, okay, so I, I 100% think he is because, first of all, well, this actually should be last of all because it happens at the end of the film. After Will Ferrell wins the race and he's been homophobic the entire movie and John Gerard's like, let me shake your hand. And he's like, no, I will never let you shake my hand. And then Will Ferrell kisses him. To which John Gerard says, you taste like America. So I think 100% Will Ferrell's character, Ricky Bobby, is representative of America. Okay. But for this being an anti-American propaganda film. So first of all, the guy who made this is Adam McKay. He directed and I think wrote this and also Step Brothers. But in more recent years, he has made movies such as The Big Short and Vice. Big Short was Steve Carell. Was that the... I didn't see it. It got nominated for a bunch of Oscars. But it's, it's this big like drama movie. And then Vice or, is, of course, is about big, Dick Cheney. Uh, isn't the Big Short the one with Steve Carell? Steve Carell's in it. He's also in Vice. It's about a bank, isn't it? Like robbing a bank or I something? Know, I haven't seen it. Okay, all right. But Adam McKay made those two movies, which are very political-driven movies about things that actually happen. So well, I think... Dick Cheney is in Vice, so... So I think that Adam McKay uh, definitely had these sensibilities, even if these were quote unquote dumb comedies. Um, is this, from the very beginning, right? The first quote is supposedly by Eleanor Roosevelt, which we just, we talked about this quote briefly in our Step Brothers episode. But yeah. the quote says, "America is all about speed, hot, nasty, badass speed." Which I didn't look up that quote. There's I, there's no way Eleanor Roosevelt said that, Why not? especially not in. 1936. Why not? That's not the way a lady talks. Was Eleanor Roosevelt a lady? Yes. Her name is Eleanor. I mean, I guess she got me there. But um, I think this all comes to a head for the most part in the bar scene 
I don't remember where exactly on Ricky Bobby's career timeline this is, but this is the first scene where we meet okay. John Gerard Debordeaux. Yes, it is. It is after it's after the ad montage, and it's just after all that, and he's in the bar having fun. Right. So I wrote down that uh, in the bar scene, I wrote down that Americans can be a bunch of arrogant assholes claiming to have created things such as Chinese food, pizza, <laughs> the chimichanga or churro, whatever he says, to which every single thing he lists, Gerard Gepardo is like, you didn't make those. Like Italy made pizza. The Chinese made Chinese food. What has America offered us? In France, we created the blowjob. What did you guys do? Man, those things are pretty good, especially that last one. And then shortly after that argument, Gerard Depardieu puts uh, Ricky Bobby in like a headlock thing and puts his hand behind Well, he, he puts table. him in like a thing where he can break his arm. Right. And he's like, I'm going to break your arm if you don't say that you love crepes. Just say, I love crepes. Which, just say it, man. He's going to break your arm. But because of his arrogant pride, American pride... He won't say it. Well, keep in mind, too, that like everyone else is like, well, even even uh, John C. Riley's character, uh, Cal, he's like, hey, man, those just those really little thin pancakes. And Will Ferrell's like, man, really? I love them things. So everybody is agreeing that crepes are amazing. Is that they all love crepes? And then then Jean Gerard's like, you can just say I love really thin pancakes. And everybody, including uh, Ricky Bobby, is like, yeah, that's a fair compromise. And then they're like, I think you should say it. And um, then Cal gets up and he's like, he's like, are you going to say it? Ricky Bobby's like, hell no. And then everybody's like, woo. So even though they're like, man, I love crepes, they're still not going to say it. And it's just, it's just that American arrogance, which uh, even as soon as – John Gerard breaks his breaks Ricky Bobby's arm. He says, "Your injury is one of ignorance and pride," which, well, I, which I think can perfectly sum up, especially like in the South, which is where Jake and I are from, and where this movie is set because Talladega is in Alabama. Alabama, yeah. Uh, people are very prideful about their past and like where they came from. Damn right, like, brother. I'm not gonna do what you want me to do because I don't want to do it. You know, yeah. In that attitude. So I think that that personality trait is very evident in Ricky Bobby. Well, let's think about one of America's sweethearts, the South sweethearts, a man named Tom Petty, a famous song that unfortunately didn't make it into this film. It's in Barnyard. It is in Barnyard. No, I won't back down. And that is the American dream right there, baby. So I, I totally see where you're coming from. In the sense of um, anti-American propaganda in this film. But I don't know if I agree with you, Thomas. Because you know what I think this movie's about? Self-discovery? That's absolutely right. But I think it is less about self-discovery and more about self-acceptance. So by that, of course, the theme to anyone who has seen this movie would seem to be the first quote anyone thinks of, I can guarantee. Well, maybe shake and bake would be first, but either first or second would be, if you ain't first, you're last. 
So I was going into this movie thinking that that would be the takeaway. Yeah. But by the end, it's clear that that's not the takeaway. So I think what you're saying about whatever you said, I don't remember exactly what you just said. Self-acceptance? Yeah, self-acceptance. Is for Ricky Bobby, that means stepping out of the shadow of his non-existent father. Because his dad was the one who said that to him. But then in the middle of the road, after his dad just got kicked out of Apple. Well, wait, let's slow down, Thomas. This is my this is this is my meaning that I found, okay? Alright, don't jump the gun, alright? Okay. So finish what you were talking about, and then I'll get into my stuff. His dad was in the middle of the road. No, no, no not that. I'm talking about anti propaganda. It'll come up later. Okay. Alright, well let well let, let's backtrack. You jumped in there real far. Let's go back before the movie even started, okay? And let's talk about what a ballad is. So I looked up a ballad. Basically, it's just like a tale uh, in the form of song. Um, and now this movie isn't a song, but, you know, Thomas. I didn't hear it. Um, I hope not. This is, But this is a ballad. I looked up some of the characteristics for what a ballad is, and one of the main things that makes a ballad a ballad is the repetition of a key word or phrase. There's two of these in here. Shake and bake, and if you ain't first, you're last. And now we really know it's a ballad. So that makes sense. Um, So the opening scene, he is... His dad's driving, and there's a song that plays Thomas. King of the Road. That's right. Uh, How's it go? I don't know. Trailer for sale. Room to rent, which I know we just listened to that the other day, but that's a bop. That's all I had to say about that. Um, you don't think the title King of the Road has any significance in this movie about NASCAR? Oh, I did. Well, I didn't know that was the name of the song. Well, I, I looked it up, but yeah. Yeah, it does. But that's I didn't write that down, so we're not going to talk <laughs> about it. Um so his dad drives a 1969 Chevrolet Chevelle Malibu, which was a very, very underrated car in uh, the 1960s, specifically 1969, because the Mustang had just come out. And I guarantee you that most people would recognize the name Mustang, especially from 69. That classic cherry red at the World Fair, baby. Beautiful. But a lot of people wouldn't recognize the Chevrolet Chevelle. Um, and I think that that is a key component for uh, Will Ferrell's journey is that he is an underdog. And that he's underestimated, as well as his father. But more importantly is the number on his father's car, which was the number 13. And there's a few places this number is found as found biblically as well as numerology. And basically it signifies struggle, death, and a new beginning. Which is what Ricky Bobby goes through this entire movie. It's also an unlucky number. It is also Unless an unlucky you're my number. mom. It's my mom's lucky number. I think 13 is one of my lucky numbers too. 13 and 7. Well, which I think are... Well, 7 is a lucky number though, right? Yeah. But 13 is one of my lucky numbers. But yeah. Um, so yeah, I think that, that whole thing, the whole, every, every car in this movie had, that is a significant car has a significant number. Uh, 13 is the first one we see. 
And I really think, like I said, it sets up this whole journey that Ricky Bob is going to go through. And then we see the next car, the clown car, which, oh, I didn't look at the number on this one. Probably should look that up, but I didn't. But it's a clown car. And um, who's the actor that plays the pit crew uh, chief? Michael Clark Duncan. Yeah. Did he die? Is he dead? Yeah. Dang. Rip Michael Clark Duncan. Um, they drive the clown car, which again, and then he later says that. I don't. I don't know how to do his voice. Man, we're gonna be the laughing stock of NASCAR. This is really deep. Was that good? No, but they'll know. Okay. Um, but he's driving a laughing clown car. Um, and then we see that he goes into the interview. And he's very nervous. He's very timid, but he, as we see, quickly adapts to uh, the winning lifestyle. And you know, like I said, this movie is about self acceptance. Um, and we kind of see a different side of Will Ferrell that we haven't seen yet. Now he, we've only seen him very short, but what he had shown us was very different than what we are seeing. And so he gets his new car. Cal gets a new car, and um, somebody else has a new car, too. It's a number 55 car. Jean Girard is number 55. Okay, so the Wonder Bread car is a number 26 car. And this is in numerology, um, the number 26 means that your material needs, needs are being met. And obviously, we see that um, because he's rich and famous now. You got a smoking hot wife with a... Juicy set of set of racks. Um, Cal Naughton's is number forty-seven, and it's characterized by a bond and a powerful loyalty. All right, which they got shake and bake. Which I don't. What does that even mean? Shake and bake, baby. What is that? Shake and bake. I'm a little bit of shake. And nope. I'm the magic man. Well, I'm El Diablo. I'm okay. a fighting chicken. Um, and then Jean Girard is number 55, which is symbolic of progress, fortune, and luck. And these kind of, these, these come into different points, but, um, I think the introduction of Jean Girard's number is kind of an anti number. So like the introduction of that number is what leads to his demise. All right. Do you have anything to say about all this yet? No, I don't, I don't understand what you're talking about. Well, just numbers, the, the significance yeah, of numbers. You, yeah. But numbers, <laughs> I mean, I guess we only took one math class and now we're done. Yep. Which did you take any math classes here in yeah. college? Yeah. Yeah. But I forgot everything from high school before I took it. Okay. Well, me too. I don't math. Yeah. Okay, but we're done with numbers now. Well, for the most part. Thank God. Um, and then we see there's the ad montage where he's just throwing out ads to get some money. And that is a, an increase in fame and corruption. So he, he is taking for granted what he's been given. Right? Well, now I do have something to say about that. Okay. Because like the, the corporate sponsorships in this movie are very prevalent, uh, which I'm not sure if that's out the correct use of that word, but I think we did it last week also. Anyways, the word prevalent, um, this is not – all right, forget I said that. 
corporate sponsorships are, are in this <laughs> okay. movie a lot. Uh, for some reason, they well, chose I Applebee's. Mean, if, well, think think about, I mean, the cars themselves. Well, yeah, I know. And in, in, in NASCAR, you obviously have a lot of sponsorships. But the, the form they take in this film, to me, is quite odd. And like all, all obviously you have like the ad montage like you were talking about, uh, which is even like shown again in the credits, this, the ones that were cut, which it could be indicative of him like yeah. selling out, which is what you said. Mm. But then like later in the film, you have the uh, what is it? I wrote it down. He put something on his windshield, Fig Newton sticker on the windshield, <laughs> and then you, he also has he's like legally obligated to mention Powerade. Oh yeah, Grace. yeah, yeah. And um, there was another one I was going to mention. Oh, Applebee's. Which I think they should have chosen Olive Garden. I agree. Because I agree. as so clearly as used used wonderfully in, in the Sonic in, movie. in Sonic the Hedgehog. When you're there, you're family. Well, hold on now. Hold on now. And I, I think Olive Garden getting thrown out of an Olive Garden, because they go to eat at Applebee's okay, okay. would have better fit that would have been perfect, in my opinion. But as they an, didn't. as an anti as okay. like a metaphor, because like when okay. you're there, you're family, and they get thrown out, so they're not really a family, or they're a broken family. But they didn't. They go to Applebee's, and I don't even know what their slogan is. Something about the neighborhood. What was I just watching? Oh, Lilo and Stitch. They're a broken family. Everyone's a broken family. Especially in Disney movies. All their parents are dead. Who's not a broken family? Uh, I played the fifth. Speaking of the ad montage. Um, my favorite one is when he goes the Chow Mein Gang Bang Jung Boom Candy. I don't remember which one was my favorite. There was one I liked, but I don't remember what it was. But yeah, you went back to when he said Grace, which uh, two points I want to make there. Also, Sweet baby Jesus. I like to imagine baby Jesus in a, a tuxedo t-shirt. Because I like to party. But it's also party. formal. Um, there is a uh, scrolling shot of like all like the Food they got, which uh, what's his wife's name? I don't know, but she's played oh, Carla. Carla, she's like, get your asses out here! I worked for three damn hours to work all this food for y'all, and it's like it's like Pizza Hut, McDonald's, Taco Bell. Yeah, so again, there's that inclusion of corporate spot. Whoa! And then the kid says, "I'm all hopped up on Mountain Dew." Maybe. Maybe this is a, a a meta thing here. Oh, but there we go again with Americans. They're like well, that's what I'm saying. Americans are like so obsessed with like fast food and in and, and like getting fat. Not that Americans willing like like getting fat, but well, they're okay. With y'all, y'all know fat. what I mean. Yeah, okay, um, but I think I think it goes even deeper. This than episode's going to get a lot of flack. Maybe, <laughs> maybe this is meta. Maybe it's talking about. Because it is it is a corporate sponsorship within the movie and the life of Ricky Bobby. But I bet they also got the sponsorship for the budget of the film. Well, look, there's several corporate sponsorships throughout this movie. Some of which I don't think any of them are actually like made fun of. Except maybe like the Fig Newtons one because it's on the windshield of his car. But they're not like none of them are taken a shot at the company, you know? Yeah. So likely they did get paid for the inclusion of all these things. So it's a meta, meta corporate sponsorship. Yeah. All right, Thomas, you may, you may be, uh... which that's something, something, this is derailing from the movie. I've noticed in editing the episodes, you say meta a lot. 
Meta, meta yeah, matters. Like, like, let's get meta. Let's, let's get even more meta. Look, look, meta matters. That's a t-shirt. Because meta matters. Oh, well, I didn't hear you say that, but yeah, that'll work. <laughs> wait, wait, what did you think I said? Well, just let's get meta. But yeah, meta matters. Meta matters. Because, I mean, think about what meta means. Meta means real life, baby. And when we're talking about movies, movies ain't real life, but meta is real life. If you want to, if you want to get a Meta Matters T-shirt, make sure you rate us on Apple Podcasts, so that way we can get those corporate sponsorships. That's right, you know, so that we can sell out too and not care about our shaggy goose egg boys anymore. Yeah, who needs them? Meta Matters, baby. Um, but the first, oh, you mentioned Grace, which actually was my next point I was going to go to, is that this is the only time that uh, anybody. I think anybody. Well, I guess Granny. Granny doesn't count. Jane Lynch doesn't count. That anybody prays. Well, he gives grace at Applebee's again, briefly. Yeah, but I mean, what do they? What do they say? They don't, I don't know. I just remember he says "Sweet Baby Jesus." But they're but they're at Applebee's, so corporate sponsorship. Yep. Uh, and they and they they he prays because he's got this good fortune. And he only prays when he has good fortune. He doesn't pray when um, something's going bad, which in the Bible, correct me if I'm wrong, uh, but in the Bible it says that you should turn to God and Jesus more like in your times of need and give praise in your time of need than when you have good faith or good fortune. Um, so there's more corruption along the way and um and in that who who says i think carla says you know ricky oh wait knows that the dad the dad's like he was a man talking about jesus oh yeah yeah carla's dad yeah and then after and i think this is when texas ranger and a walker start uh, yelling Random, at him. Yeah, yeah he's, he's like, like, I threw a, your war medals off the bridge or whatever. I'm going to jump on you like a spider monkey. Yeah. And then Ricky's like, um, he's proud of those boys. He's like, yeah, well, he's proud of the boys. But he's like, Winners get their way. Yeah. I win the races. I get the money. I wrote that down. Uh, well, and that, that could be included in, in that um, American propaganda is that when you got American money, you're a bad person. Is corporate, that, corporate greed. Is that what you were thinking? I mean, I didn't write that down, but that'll work. What were you thinking? Well, because well, like what you're saying is, and again, this is going to make some people upset, but capitalism is not as great as everyone would like to think because it puts the big corporate companies before it does. Like Fig Newtons. The workers, you know. So like that, that. And America is, I think, probably the most significant corporate, not corporate, capitalist country in the world, at least in this moment in this moment in time. So this movie kind of taking a look at that and how you're saying like winners, winners win or and they're good or whatever he said. Uh, but he's the one that falls from grace later in the film. True. So winning. When winning is everything, once you lose, you have nothing. Very true. And like, if like you think about if Jeff Bezos lost all of his money today, 
He, I guarantee you, he would not be able to start up like another Amazon or something like that. Well, he already has Amazon, so he can just make some money. But if he, if he did, yeah, he's got a couple hundred bucks. If Amazon stock, well, yeah. he's also bald, so ah, he already lost. Was yeah. I mean, if you if you're Jeff Bezos, well, if you have that much money and you're bald, was it even worth it? Jeff Bezos, if you're listening, uh, we're we're just kidding. Please uh, give us some money. I can give you some, yeah. We give us money, and we'll give you our hair. Yeah, there we go. That's, that's a good trade. Work. That's a fair trade. Where, uh, are, we, where are we talking about? <laughs> I uh, uh, Grace, winners get what they want. Well, well and the, well, the winners, the winners, especially monopolies, control the prices. They get to tell you how. Well, much you know, monopoly was made to show, like, showcase how bad capitalism is. And there is a race car in it. Oh, I thought you said race card. And I was like, well, we don't need to play that. <laughs> no, 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 no. There's a race yeah, car yeah, yeah, in yeah, it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I got you. There's a race car. Well, my family actually owns a NASCAR Monopoly. There you go. There's more race cars. Look at that. All right, back, back to back. Speaking to, of my family, though, at one point when I was little, someone told me my dad was in this movie, and he's not in this movie. How do you know? He's just, he's not. Did they, did they say where? What they said the he stands? was an extra. Well, I guess he could be. But also the girl, the guy that plays young Ricky Bobby, is the brother of someone who I went to high school with. That's not your dad, though. Could be. I guess <laughs> you don't know. What two thousand four, six, eight? Two thousand. I guess so. Anyway, uh, and then <laughs> that that same trend of winners get what they want. Uh, Mr. Dennett, there's like a big, there's a big crash. Oh, there's a big crash, and after this race is when Jean Girard shows up. So there's this big race. I think there's a crash or something. No, he shows up before the crash. No, when he let, went, would you let me talk? Because when he let me talk, when, that's not what I'm talking about. There's okay. something, but Ricky Bobby loses like points in like NASCAR. I'm not sure exactly. No, how it's because he flicks someone off. He loses points. Oh, is that what happened? Yeah, because okay. he said that obscene gesture was going to cost you some points. And then he says something about his wife. He calls her like Jim Bean or something. <laughs> okay. <laughs> well, that. And uh, Dennett, who, Mr. Dennett, who signed him on, is now dead. And his son runs the company or runs the, I guess, race team. But Mr. Dennett is like, yeah, he says, you lose points because of that. And. Then uh, Ricky Bobby's like, where's it at? With all due respect, Mr. Dennett, I had no idea you had an experimental surgery to get your balls removed. Yeah, and but he then, said it with all due respect. He did. He did. But then Mr. Dennett's like, you can't say that to me. And then Ricky Bobby's like, he's like, I'm a winner. Winner gets to say what they want. Again, um, again, reinforcing that corruption. And then we get to the bar. And I do, I kind of do have something to say about American propaganda here, which I'll get to. Um, and I think you already touched on it a little bit. Um, but there's a random, like, cut shot or insert. I don't know what you want to call it. There's a random There's a random shot with Glenn and the other guy. Are you talking about his grandmother? Yeah. Which he goes, he's like, Nana's turning 88. What should I get her for her birthday? And the guy's like, get her a coffin. Yep. Which, if you remember... Shaggy was was. I talked about the number 13 on his dad's car, which was a number of death. So here we see death again right at the end of Act 1. 
right when what's it called the inciting incident yeah that whatever that's called happens so we see plot, no plot point one inciting incident is like the beginning of the movie oh plot point one takes you into act two okay plot point one that goes into act two we're film students by the way um this Not happens to brag or anything. <laughs> this happens right before that jean gerard shows up so he says that jean gerard shows up did you make that connection no you didn't thomas no but i also watched the version i watched was the unrated version so there might have been some things i saw that you didn't see just like also in that scene for me it went back to them later it did okay no i yeah. dude was like you should get him you should get her a gigolo yes I, I okay that was really we, I, I saw that okay. it doesn't have to do with death no i just thought that was funny um and then let's go back to what did what did the french give us but he, he mentions, and you didn't say this. He says, oh, democracy. Yeah, all, all I remembered was the blowjob. He also says existentialism. Which later in the movie, he's reading a book called Le Etranger, which is The Stranger by Albert Camus, who is a philosopher. And that book has, because I looked it up, that book has apparently a lot of existentialism qualities. Well, I think this is an, an ex- existentialist film. Why? We'll get to that, but you you made a point of it. Basically, it all boils down to what Ricky Bobby's Reese Bobby said as they were leaving Applebee's when he's like, "You always told me if you ain't first, you're last." And Reese Bobby's like, "What the hell does that mean?" And so Ricky Bobby's been living his entire life following this rule, and his dad was like, "I was probably high, didn't even remember saying that." It's like it's like Mango Mind talking to that bird on his desk. Alone again, naturally. Mm-hmm. And so yeah, so I think that this this is definitely an existentialist film because of that. Because Ricky Bobby's been living his life this way, and in the end it doesn't make sense. Which it's kind of anti biblical. I, I think I guess that's how you would say it, because in the Bible it talks about the first shall be last. And the last shall be first into the kingdom of heaven. Okay. So there might be something there just about how like a fall from grace, which grace is a biblical word. Um, and then I don't know. Well, I do think that like the the Bible, quote unquote, and religion, there are a few different things in this movie that point towards themes relating to that. Obviously, this is set in the South, probably Alabama because it's Talladega Nights. And the South, at least this portion of the South, the United States, is regarded as the Bible Belt. The Bible Belt. Meaning that there's a lot of de- supposedly devout Christians that live here. And we talked earlier about the things with grace. There's a few other times when religion or God gets brought up. One is when, uh, well, actually, I'll talk about this one first. You, so you have, close to the end of the movie, when Ricky Bobby goes to John Gerard to say, hey, man, I'm going to kick your butt tomorrow. John Gerard is like, I, well, actually, I came here because I wanted you to beat me. He said, God needs the devil. The Beatles needed the Rolling Stones. Even Diane Sawyer needed Katie Couric. Will you be my Katie Couric? And obviously he's will, talking about... Will you be my Katie Couric? Obviously he's talking about the duality of man. You know, the two different sides yeah. of man. There you has know, to be that balance. Good versus evil. Uh, the light side of the force versus the dark side of the force. Well, that's Star Wars. but That's a yes. biblical thing. Uh, but then you also have, which I think this actually has more to say than what I just said. 
you have at one point, and this may have been right after Ricky Bobby delivered the pizza to his dad. I'm not entirely sure. At one point, Ricky Bobby comes back from a pizza delivery into his house, and he asks his mom where his kids are. And she's like, oh, I just dropped them off at Sunday school. And then, like, a, literally a second later, they, <laughs> anarchy! Come, yeah, they come running past the door screaming anarchy. And he's like, oh, there they are. So that, the kids were supposed to be at Sunday school. Yeah. And they come running past screaming anarchy, which is very clearly not something that they would want to be preaching in Sunday school. But then one of the kids is like, I don't even know what that means, but I love it. Take, so Texas Rangers are the one that says that. Obviously, yeah, my favorite little kid. Obviously, they learned that word in Sunday school. True enough. And that might, they might have been talking about revelation. They might have been talking about, ooh, Thomas. Okay, they might have been talking about revelations because in revelations, there's a lot of talk about the end. And I've been reading recently in my New Testament class about echelon or eschatology. I think that's how you say it, which basically is the study of like the second coming. And we can take a look at that. That has to do with anarchy, basically. Or we can go and look at um, Noah, which the flood was meant to. Okay. Okay, Thomas. Okay, okay. No, no, no. Let's talk about Noah and the flood. The flood was meant to wipe away the wicked. And people who are anarchists could be considered wicked. And then they yell anarchy. They run by. And they spray the dude with They the grab water. a hose. And they spray the guy in the face with water. Yeah. So maybe that is... So are you saying that he's the wicked? Their neighbor? No. I'm just saying that it's like a reference, like an illusion maybe. Because I think the kids are wicked. And they're in control of the water. So what does that say about but America? Then, but then we see Jane Lynch who snatches the water away. And slaps him. And then she slaps him and Granny Law is in order. So maybe so maybe Jane Lynch is, is God. I could see that. And Ricky Bobby is... Don't say it. Jesus. Sweet baby Jesus. Sweet. Little two ounce, little baby Jesus. I'll cozy up in your manger. So think on that. Think on that. Just ponder it. Just just chew on a little bit. So, Jake, um, I asked you this earlier. <laughs> and it's something that's said throughout the film. Oh, 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 hold on, hold on. Because I, I want to I mention uh, one more thing about the balance thing you said about Katie Kilrag. Yeah. Uh, is that in that same scene, while Ricky Bobby has his arm pinned by Jean Girard, I think it's right then. Um, Will Ferrell's like, man, it goes together like peanut butter. And, and then what does Cal oh, that's say? That's in the bar. He said ladies. Yeah, in the bar. That's the same scene. No, the Katie Couric scene's at the end. Well, sure. My point still stands. But it's, it's, but it's not the same scene. You said it was the same scene as the Katie Couric scene. scene. It is the same scene. It's one scene. It's the same shot. No, the Katie Couric scene happens at the end of the movie. No, it doesn't. Yes, it does. He goes to his house and he's like, will you be my Katie Couric? Oh. But you're talking about the bar scene. My point still stands, even if it is at the bar scene. Is, so they're talking about balance. Okay, finally, they're talking about balance at the end. They're also talking about compliments. Like what compliments something. And I think 
that those might be synonyms. Balance and and uh, and uh, complement are the same because when you when you say like sweet cow gets them all wrong. America. Okay. America and balance do not mix. Right, but peanut butter and jelly mixes. But he says peanut butter and ladies, which also mix. According to that other guy, I don't know his character's name. In America, it does. But yep. in real life, they don't. America's not real life. But God, wake and... up, sheeple! <laughs> America's not real life. But you know what is real life? That's why it's called an American dream. That's right, American dream, not American reality. Uh, who was Katie Kilreich and who else? Uh, Diane Sawyer. Diane Sawyer. And I don't know who Katie Kilreich. They're real. Are they? All right, continue what you're saying. I just wanted to, I just to bring that up, that the compliment and balance thing is like kind of the same. Well, I, I asked you this briefly earlier because they say it constantly throughout the film. What the hell does shake and bake even mean? Shake and bake. What What do you shake before you bake? Because like at one point, uh, what's Shanti Rao's character? Cal Naughton. Cal Naughton Jr., is like, you gotta shake it before you bake it. The only thing I can think of is like a yoo You shake before you drink. But you're, I'm not baking a yoo You may not be. And then like, even like, this might go back to the whole like American thing. Because at one point they say it, and John Gerard is like, what does that even mean? What does that even mean? And he's like, is that a cat phrase? And they're just like, shake it back, baby! Oh, <laughs> and then he's like, and this is when they're walking away... Um, when they're doing their practicing, or their track, yeah. track records, and then and then and then he goes, "I'm gonna say it again. Say it one more time." And then she yells it again. Yep. But like, but so what? What? What do you think "shake and bake" means? Is it just? Is it? Is that? Is it as simple as Americans are stupid and it just rhymes so it sounds cool? Or, tell me, tell me, it doesn't sound cool. The Magic Man sounds cooler. Tell me, "shake and bake" doesn't sound cool. But what does it mean? Tell, no, no, no. They just say no, it. No, no, no. Stop. Stop. Tell me. How did that even start? Stop. Thomas, listen to me and answer my question. No, not really. Tell me that shake and bake isn't cool. It's not. You're wrong. And you're not an American. No. You're from Canada. Yep. I wish. A. They have free health care. And they have cool money. And the Canadian bacon is ham. <laughs> Uh, they also have icebergs, which John Gerard is French, and the French Canadians are people. They do exist, but also regular French people. So I don't know why you. I want to know what shake and bake means. Shake and bake. Okay, hold on. Shake, shake and not stirred. That's James Bond. He's British. And what are he doesn't American... get baked? What are what are Americans? Not real. Fake Brits. Like actually, so, so shake and bake is a ripoff of shake and not stirred. Shake, just what is it? So what, it's like, all right. So when when you're shook, you're like shake it before you bike it. When you when you're shook, does that mean you don't like something? Okay, okay, here you go. Here, okay, here you go. Here you go. Like baked I'll, means you're high. I'll, no, 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 I'll 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 fix it for you. Okay, so shaking. When I'm like you, like I'm shook. Means you're like angry or something. You're like worked up. And then when you bake something, it gets real hot. So when you shake it, you get real hot, and then you do something about it. And that's what they do. They Jean Girard shakes them up real good, 
and then they get real hot and heavy, and then they go race. They drive fast. So that's what it means. Shake and bake, baby. But is that all you want to talk about, shake and bake? Yeah, I just want to know what it means. Okay. Let me go back on my journey, all right? So they're at the bar. The hero's journey? The hero's journey. So they're at the bar, and um, Ricky Bobby gets his arm broken, which is our symbolically our first defeat, our point of plot point one. Yes. And then we go into our act two, and Jean Girard says, and says to him, Soon you will know what it is like to be defeated by someone who is truly better than you. Which is what he wants. Which is what he wants. Um, but Ricky Bobby is arrogant. He's an arrogant son of a bitch. Um, so then he goes out and he drives his car recklessly. And that's the whole shake and bake thing we we're talking about just now. Is It's that scene. And if we notice, he's all shaked and baked. And he's driving his car recklessly. And there's a duality in that shot where Ricky Bobby's car is real loud and frantic and reckless. Whereas Jean Girard's car is very quiet, calm, and controlled. The music also, like the score of the movie also changes when it goes from car to car. Yes. Is this is this when he's drinking tea or is that the final It's race? a macchiato. But yeah. It's not tea. Because he says, you made me spill my macchiato. Oh, that's right. <laughs> or whatever his accent um, is. He's married to Eva Fisher, by the way. I don't know if you know who that is. I don't. She's the girl in Hot Rod. Uh, the punchy girl? No, like the, does the Denise. Pool. She's also a nice Amy. Uh, the one that does the cool punch. No, that's that's the guy's sister. Denise is the neighbor. No. Anyways, that doesn't matter. The one that he likes. Yeah, but she doesn't make the punch. I thought she did. No. Okay, well, so. hot rod coming coming soon. Um, or not. Well, eventually. Um, and then he crashes and he gets sent into the air. And when he's in the air, what does he say? So what's his line he says while he's in the air? I don't remember him being in the air. When he, when he gets the wreck, the big wreck. The big wreck. I don't know. He gets launched into the air. I don't remember that. Are you serious? Yeah. When he's um, on my fire! Yeah, but he's not in the air when he, he's on fire. No, he's not. But right before that, he's in the air. Yeah, I don't remember that. Well, he's in the air, and it gets real quiet. And then he just says something. He's like, well, I'm in the air. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, yeah, I remember that. He just says, I'm in the air. Um, But it's interesting that, that like, can So uh, just, just in case you can, if you can hear murder sounds in the background, don't worry about it. <laughs> That's that's Americans winning the war. Yeah. <laughs> um, uh, <laughs> oh, he he's he he's in the air. It's real calm. He's like, well, I'm in the air, but it's real calm. So it's interesting that like when he's when he got crashed, that's real quiet. And then he's I'm on fire. And. Uh, then all that happens with like the wheelchair and all that stuff. But then he gets back on the track and he's driving real slow. You know what speed he's driving, Thomas? Like 12? 26. Yeah. Which, if you remember, is Cal's number. Nope. That's Ricky Bobby's number. It's 26. Told you I wasn't good with numbers. <laughs> um, 
Okay, and then like all that happens, and he loses his wife and stuff, and then him and Cal Naughton Jr. are not friends anymore. Okay, but they're at. All right, well, you can go. But they're at the race, and he says they call me the Magic Man, and Ricky Bobby's like, "Oh man, that's a cool name. Uh, did you come up with that yourself?" And he's like, "Yeah." He's like, "Oh, that's pretty cool." But his tagline is now. Now you see me. <laughs> Now you don't, which is symbolic of their friendship. They were friends, but now he's Magic Man, and they're not friends. Well, I'm glad you said that, because there's something I wrote down that I forgot to talk about earlier. But it ties into this. The Magic Man? No. So close to the beginning of the movie uh, is when the guy goes and like pees and eats a sandwich or whatever, and then Michael Clark's uncle's like, we need somebody to come drive the car. And then, oh, this is all uh, the way at the beginning. Yeah, yeah. Jack McBrayer, who is the guy that plays Fix It Felix Jr., um, and he says, Oh, I lost it. He says, Where is the quote? Oh, here it is. He says, It's not always bad to be in last place. (laughs) Here's some things we can focus on one, we tried hard, and two, we're still, we are still (laughs) dear friends. So even though they're in last, it's okay because they're still dear friends. And what happens later in the movie? Cal and Ricky Bobby are not dear friends because Ricky Bobby put coming in first in front of their friendship. What? What? How do you not understand this? Say that again. So I the didn't. Quote, I, I, the quote is, it's not always bad no, to no, be in last no, place. No, no, not that part. It's You said Ricky Bobby be coming in first? Is that what you said? He comes in first. Throughout the movie, he comes in first. Yeah, in but when they're not friends, is when he doesn't come in first. No, you're not understanding what I'm, I'm saying. I'm not. Let me start over. Okay. The, so the quote is, it's not always bad to be in last place because we are still dear friends. Right. And throughout the movie, Ricky Bobby puts Cal second. He never lets Cal come in first place. And because of that, oh, okay, okay. they lose their friendship. <laughs> okay, you you saying he'd be coming in first? I don't think I said that. I'm pretty sure you said Which, that. Which, I mean, the listeners let us know. Let us know if he said that. I'll give you a dollar if I'm right. I hope everyone answers you. You have to give them all a dollar. Only if they're right. Only if they say that you did say that. I'll give them a dollar. But yeah, so, so don't put... Coming in first, first. Put your friends first. Well, that's what we're talking about still. We're getting there. Hold on. No, no you're right. I said it. We're already there. Um. Well, you're thinking, so I'm going to keep going. And, and Okay, well, after after all this, he's now he's now a bus uh, del- the delivery boy. He's on the well, bus. We already talked about that. Well, I'm not done yet. He's on the bus, and he says to this guy, he's like, my license got stolen, and a few other things. This and isn't then, important. And then he's like, "What makes you think I care?" Because Americans are rude. Yes, but also, who cares about all your wins? Who cares what about all Ricky Bobby's wins? What do they matter? They don't mean nothing. Because if you ain't got your friends, what you got? Nothing. Okay, <laughs> and then so yeah, you 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 mentioned, um. Their relationship, Cal and Ricky Bobby. Ricky Bobby's relationship, how it's fractured. It's fractured, but also not really. Because he keeps calling him. Well, he keeps, yeah, Cal keeps calling him, 
trying to be friendly and something he he makes the point of is like Cal's like man it's all done now I mean I took your wife your house but we're still best friends and Ricky's always like man what the hell you took it all from me but then there's a few there's a few every time they talk on the phone there's a few times when they're like yeah what's what's the one where he's on the toilet I don't know well he said he uh Cal not juniors get in the hot tub he's like Hey man, how do you make these things uh, go harder? It's not the buttons, yeah. Yeah, it's like, and Ricky was like, "Man, did you press all the buttons? Don't you press all the buttons." And they're kind of talking; they're having a good time. And he's like, "What, man? What the hell am I talking to you for?" So, I mean, I think like you're talking about American pride is kind of getting in the way of their friendship. He took his wife. What do you mean, American pride? Yeah, but also, the wife is a gold digger. Yeah. So it's probably better that she's no longer around. Yeah, but Cal still took her. No, he didn't. Carla left Ricky Bobby for Cal. So Cal didn't swoop in. Carla swooped out. Carla swooped out. Like that big dead space pause? Yeah. Carla swooped out. So... But yeah, I mean, at the end of the day, they're still they are still friends, and you can see that in their dialogue. Um, that like Ricky Bobby still wants to be his friend, but he is mad, and I, I, I rightfully so to some extent. But also, everything he got was from racing, which led to his downfall. So, like you know, was it really his? Yeah. Well, later. I don't remember exactly when this is, but Ricky Bobby says, and I think this is very poignant. Ricky Bobby says, you got to win to be loved. Yeah, it's when he's talking to uh, Amy Adams. Is this is this at the bar scene? They are in the, well, what do you mean by the bar scene? They like, are in the bar, but it's not the scene we were talking about earlier. No, the bar scene where they get it on. Yeah. Okay, so he says, you got to win to be loved. And I think that this scene is kind of the culmination of, I would say, it might be the denouement. Would you agree? I don't know. I wasn't thinking about that stuff. We're film students, by the way. Um, Why well, do I think this is the culmination of all the pain that he's been through? You know, every kind of everything is kind of coming to a point to produce a fully developed man, as he should be. Not like I'm rich and famous and everything. Um, he is, I, I think he, in this moment, he is himself. He is not worried about, you know, winning. He wants to race, but he's not worried about winning. He's not worried about having the hottest wife, all the money and all that stuff. Um, he becomes Ricky Bobby, the driver, not Ricky Bobby, the winner or the awesome racer, because the driver. Amy Adams tells him he has to win for himself. That's right. What's Kung Fu Panda 2? This Bird's is a bad guy. Yes. And I don't remember anything about that one. So whatever you're about to say, I don't know. Okay. Um, and she says, it's yeah, like you just said, it's just you out there. Nobody else matters. You go out there, you race. Right? Um, and then later everything comes back and he uh, walks up to Cal 
and Cal's like, I'm going to beat you out there, you sucker. And Ricky Bobby's like, you know what, man? I'm sorry. It was, and this is, it was all my fault. So he accepts that everything that happened was on him. Um, and then the car pulls out and the car, the number is 62, which is the opposite of, of the wonder bread car. And also has the insignia me on it. Cause you're driving for himself. And the number 62 means that you have obtained inner balance and harmony. I think you made that up. Okay. I looked it up on Google. Yeah. And everything on the internet is true. Nope. Well, I watched this movie on the internet. So does that mean this movie's not real? Yeah, because it's American. And America's not real? Yep. That's the takeaway. Is America on the internet? Probably. Well, there you go, folks. America's not real. That's all I got to say about it. Um, Then Jean Girard and him kiss. And at the end of the day, in the last interview, Ricky says, he's like, come by now, would you? He just says, man, I just went out there and drove. And that's all I got. Okay, good. Because I only have one more thing to say, but I needed to save it for the end. So the thing repeated throughout this movie the most, other than Shake and Bake, is if you ain't first, you're last. And the movie ends by decidedly defeating that statement because Cal wins the race even though he came in third place. So he wasn't first. Oh! But then he was first. I didn't think about that. Well, hold on, hold on. Hold on. Let me let me let me debunk this maybe. No. It didn't say if you're first you win. Did they? But he's not last because he won. Well, how do you know he's not last? Because he won. Yeah, but he got the trophy. Yeah, but he won. He didn't finish last or first. So he won. So, but what I'm saying is that you don't have to be first to win. And I'm saying no. Well, I guess I can argue with that. All right, ladies and gentlemen, that's all we got. So what have we decided that this film is about? Uh, I think, honestly, I think you have sold me on the anti-American propaganda. I think you got me on that. I think I think I have a very much more wholesome read reading of it. I want to go back and rewatch it the opposite way you did. But what you've said to me, I don't know if that's possible. What? Because I well, I don't know if it's possible for this to be a pro-American propaganda oh. piece. Well, the, all right. So definitely, the American characters, like not just Ricky Bobby, are really stupid. Ricky Bobby, especially compared to uh, John Gerard, who is reading like existentialist works, and he talks about William Blake, who I think is a poet. Yeah, he is. He's very, very much more educated than the Americans in this film. Well, he is French. Yeah. So. Um, there's, there's, you can't, there's no more meaning. So we can ask you, uh, who blew up? Did anybody blow up? I don't know. Let's find out, Jake. Okay. So we have a lot of crashes, but we did not have any explosions. We have some fire, but no explosions. And some invisible fire. And some invisible fire, but no explosions. So wait, maybe we did have invisible explosions. Do invisible explosions count? Well, if you saw them. But they're invisible. What if I felt them? Uh, I don't know. 
Okay, well, what do you say? What do you say? I'll, I'll... I don't. I don't know because like the cars wreck spectacularly, but they don't but explode. It's not they explosion. don't explode. They don't explode, Thomas. You know what I'm thinking? What? I'm thinking two, two out of five. I think I can dig, go with that. So, Ricky Bobbly, Rick... <laughs> Ricky Bobbly, Ricky Ricky Blobbly, uh, Talladega Nights, the ballad of Ricky Blobbly. It receives a two out of five from Al Pacino. On the ready or not scale. scale. Can I just say that I think John C. Riley, I like him more. Is that allowed? Yeah. I, well, I definitely think, like, without a doubt, he's one of the greatest actors of his generation. He's okay. definitely got range. He does have range. Dewey Cox, we ain't talking about Kevin. Uh, Any Paul Thomas Anderson movie, I think he's in all of those. I've only seen. I've seen. I've seen half of Magnolia. And I haven't seen that one. The one where Mark Wahlberg is a porno actor. We're not talking Boogie about Nights? that movie. Yeah. Oh, I started watching that. I couldn't finish it. I fell asleep. I watched it, but I don't remember why. Anyways, this is this was the Ballad of Ricky Bobby Talladega Nights, directed by Adam McKay, probably written by him too, starring Will Ferrell, John C. Riley, Jane Lynch, uh, Amy Adams, Amy Adams, Sasha Baron Cohen, Leslie Bibb, Sasha Baron Cohen, those two kids. And Walker and Texas Rangers. Shit, what's my favorite? What's his name? I love him so much. I don't know. He voices Harvey Birdman, Reese Bobby, whoever plays him. I love that guy. Gary? Pedro, Pedro Pascal. No. Is <laughs> Gary? He's also Oldman? the boss. No, he's also the boss in Office Space. Let's see. What's we're, his name? Reese Bobby? We're, we're definitely not looking it up. Uh, we're, we're just going to think up. about it. For a minute. Ooh, ooh, let's see. It's either Gary uh, or Kent. No, Kent's his name uh, in V. Curl, uh, who? It could uh, be Gary. I think it's Gary something. Gary, come home. Gary Coleman. That's his name. Gary okay. Coleman. Thank you for saying No, him. wrong. Gary Cole. Oh, Gary Coleman's black. That's right. <laughs> yeah, he made he made the George Foreman grill. Gary Cole is my dad. Is that a good note to end on, you think? Yes. Okay, so if... You disagree that oh, John C. Riley <laughs> is better than Will Ferrell. Let us know um, if you don't think that Gary Cole's a great actor. Let or us know. Or my dad, or his dad, who is this the younger Ricky Bobby. <laughs> yeah, if you Cole. don't agree or agree with that, or if you got any questions, comments, uh, you can hit us up over at Twitter, or or if you think America is real somehow. If you do. Don't tell us because you're wrong. I don't feel like wasting my time. You can you can send us a message on Twitter at PacinoPod, or you can send us a little email at uh, PacinoPodcast at gmail.com. Stout and sauerkraut. Stout and sauerkraut. You want to know something? No. I didn't take a shower today. Me either.